you happen to be a guest and you think it's wild here, try being a part of my family and celebrating Christmas in a single wide. That's when it gets real right there, buddy. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and find Mark 12. I know the screen says John 15, but the guy who makes the slides messed up. That was me. Um, but I'll have the right verses on the screen, just the wrong reference on the title. Um, last week, we jumped into the series. And um, you guys who weren't here last week, who, you know, you're a guest and you're saying, wow, I'm coming in on part two of a sermon. Well, you're blessed. I'm going to give you the first part in like one minute. We're doing a series right now on discipleship, and the name of this series is called Fruitful Disciple. You are, you are, each and every one of you, including myself, we are all disciples of somebody or something. We're all following something. We're all gaining a worldview. We're all gaining a way of looking at life. We're all gaining purpose from something or someone or some set of ideas. So to be a disciple of something is to be a follower of something. Now, what I want to be and what the challenge to be is, is, is you actually know who you're following. So this series is about being a disciple of Jesus and embracing that lifestyle, embracing his ideology, embracing his words, embracing his values, and following Jesus. And from this following, to actually bear fruit. I said last week that if Jesus were a lemon tree, I would want my life to be known for lemon juice. I would want it to be coming out of me. I would want what is the fruit of Jesus to be coming out of my life. And that's what it means to be a fruitful disciple. In the next 11 weeks, I held up eight fingers, I don't know. In the next 11 weeks, three more, we're going we're gonna to bring out 11 words that embody just the tip of the iceberg of following Jesus and our heartfelt prayer is, in bringing these out, you begin to search the scriptures, you begin to see where these ideas play out across the scope of God's relationship with people, both in where people have succeeded and where people have failed, but more importantly, where God continues to bless in the face of people's failure. Because we're not the heroes of our story. You know, we love to talk about the heroes of the faith, like Moses, Abraham, Joshua, different people. The truth is, they, 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 were in the, you know, they were in the comic book, but God's a hero. Amen? So in all of this, there's going to be these temptations to despair in the face of our failure. And, and it, you know, it's a, it's a right-minded temptation, you know. My, my granddaddy used to, he, when, I, when I messed something up, he would, he would look at me and say, boy, you could break an uh, anvil. And I don't know how hard y'all know this, but it's hard to break an anvil. I know what it's like to fail in every area of life. I know it. What I often forget is that the onus is not on me, that the onus is on the power of God. So there's a right temptation to despair, and there's also a right temptation to place your hope in Christ. Some of you, over the next few weeks, maybe for the first time ever, some of us in a fresh way will get revival of our relationship and our purpose. Let's jump in tonight. And our new, our word, word number one is relationships. And let's jump right into Mark chapter number 12, beginning at verse number 28. And this is how the Bible reads. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, seeing that Jesus was giving the crowd a good answer, this scribe, now you got to remember what a scribe does is they literally copy the law. 
meticulous in their process. If they mess up the least little bit, they destroy. They don't white out, you know, they don't mark out. They, don't, they destroy that text, fully take a bath, and start over. So these people are serious in the word. They're serious. Whether they're drawing the right conclusions or not, that's one thing. But I, I don't want us to miss out on this being a scribe. The scribe comes up, and he's like, man, Jesus, this guy is giving great answers. Let me ask him the most fundamental question of life. To a scribe, this is the most fundamental question of life. So he says to Jesus, verse 28, the end of it, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jesus goes right to Deuteronomy 6.4. Now, we're a very self-centered culture. The first thing we want to hear our children say is mama or dada. We do. We want them to walk and we want them to talk. And as soon as they get that accomplished, we tell them to sit down and be quiet constantly. <laughs> but if you were a devout Jew, the hope upon hopes upon hopes, the first full sentence your child would ever speak would be Deuteronomy 6.4. Behold, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God is one. If a Jewish parent got that result, they could care less if they ever heard mom and daddy. All right? So, so Jesus says, great question. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't say great question. He just says, he says it by giving a great answer. Verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. Then the second great commandment, you might add, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, right? <laughs> this is awesome. This is like, you know, no offense, Catherine, but this is like, you know, you being in the presence of Bach and saying like, hey, man, great job on the keyboards. <laughs> yeah, Bach, Bach was a pretty cool dude. He would have he said, thanks. <laughs> you know. But this, this scribe, he goes, man, good answer, Jesus. Don't forget, he's the logos. He is the word. So he says, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, Jesus, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Fathers, we open your word. We pray you visit us. Give us understanding. Open to us the gates of heaven. Let us participate in the good thoughts of your mind. Let us draw near to Jesus and our affections be granted to him upon whom your affections are set. In Jesus we pray, amen and amen. So obviously, obviously, I want to talk about relationships. In this passage is one of many that just nails it down. And I, love, I actually love this scribe. I, I, I listened to a sermon one time where a person was putting this scribe down, and I'm like, did you not read that passage? The guy asked a great question, and then when he gave a little extra answer on what Jesus was saying, Jesus complimented this guy. So if Jesus is saying good answer, don't be hating on my boy, man. He's a pretty good dude. Because the scribe doesn't just agree with Jesus. He gets it. He says, you know, to, to actually love God, right, and to actually love people is a whole lot better than going through the motions of religion. Hmm. 
But there are so many in our culture who are going through the motions of religion without loving God or loving people. There are so many in our culture who are going through the motions of religion for the sake of how much they love themselves. So this guy gives a brilliant answer. He's, he gives, it's like being in an honest, the goodness, life together group where the leader asks a question and the next person isn't afraid to ask their thoughts, answer, uh, add their thoughts even though they're not the leader. Imagine that, y'all. He says, yeah, I, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you knew the right answer. And, and I just want to tell you, I think that stuff is way more important than even if I bring a $100 sheet to the next uh, burnt offering get-together. So this guy gets it. I like him. Let me give you guys four quick thoughts about relationships that I don't think will answer all the questions. I think they'll actually begin to make us ask a lot of questions. Thought number one, our primary relationship must be horizontal. Isn't that what Jesus says? You've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It actually takes a little bit of work to figure out how to love God. I'm going to be honest about that. Because what's in my way of loving God might not be in your way of loving God. And as I'm struggling to learn how to love God and get the distractions out of the way, get the impediments out of the way, you, you might have some different impediments. You know, let's just take sin because it's so easy to point out. Let's, let's take sin as an example. Now, believe it or not, I have very little temptation to gossip. What temptation I do have to gospel, gossip is more... Um, did it, does it say horizontal? It should say vertical. Thank you. Amy's giving me some. I thought she was, like, trying to flag a plane down. She's, or Heil Hitler, and I just know she's not a Nazi. I made this slideshow. I've been under pressure this week, y'all. Help me. It's vertical. It's vertical. Forgive me. I, you know, get over it. It's vertical. It's vertical. Everybody look at your name and say it's vertical. And forgive me. Just go ahead. Well, y'all, Amy's going. <laughs> so, like, if she pulls up at a truck at y'all's house and asks you to get in, don't. Anyway, vertical. Yeah, like that time my zipper was down and you were doing a note in the front row and I never got it. Welcome to East Rock, visitors. Welcome to our single wide. <laughs> I, I want to be honest. I have no clue what I was saying. <laughs> Vertical. <laughs> I mean, inside of that, I don't know. What I yeah, what are your impediments? Thank you. Like, I, I don't have a lot of temptation to gossip, right? But I have a tremendous temptation to pride. While, you know, somebody, somebody else, may have the exact opposite struggle. They're pretty humble people, except they spend all their free time talking about folks. And so I, I got to deal with my impediments, right, the things I actually do to get in the way, and then I got to begin to wrestle with the things I don't do to get in the way. So it's kind of tough sometimes to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's kind of tough sometimes to figure that out. But the cool thing is, is that's how God is pursuing you. He's challenging you to, 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 to come close to him. And it's not even as much wrapped up into what you don't do or what you go do 
as it is in who God loves. The Father loves the Son. Wrap yourself up in the Son, and you will be drawing close to the Father. How do I know that? Let me give you two quick proofs on how I know that. It's not on the screen. I'm going to give you two quick proofs, okay? Proof number one, okay? The Holy Spirit's first and primary work is to reveal your need of Jesus. Why? Because God is looking at the primary impediment to you having a tight relationship with him. The primary impediment is that we don't love Jesus and we have not allowed Jesus to deal with our sin and give us his life. So in John 16, the, the whole work of the Holy Spirit is about revealing your need for Jesus. Why? Because it's the chief impediment to, 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 to intimacy with the Father. Secondly, secondly, right, this is going to be so simple, you're not going to believe it. He is the literal gateway into fellowship with the Father. The literal gateway, right? Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. So because the Holy Spirit is working, 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 working to reveal Jesus to us, I know that treasuring Jesus is the key. And because Jesus said, you've got to come to the Father through me, I know Jesus is the key. Somebody say amen. So God is, God is just wanting us to be justified, made right in his sight through Jesus. He just wants that. He wants our, us to overcome our guilt. He wants us to overcome our shame. He wants us to find real forgiveness and real freedom, real liberty, real fellowship. And he sends his son to take care of all of that. So while I started out talking about sin, it's not even so much about the stuff you do wrong or the stuff you don't do right. As much as it is about you got to get with Jesus. Amen. You got to get with Jesus, yo. But I want to show you something that I just think is just cool as all get out. You, you know, when God made man, what do we call the first man? Anybody know what Adam means? <laughs> hey, man. Right? Here's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and it's going to surprise you. It's one of my favorite verses. Genesis chapter number 2, verse 19. I love this verse. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call him. Can you imagine just hanging out with God, creating the zoo? Right? You know, just, you're just sitting around stroking a honey badger. And he brings somebody and says, what do you think about this? I like saying platypus. Let's call it that. Platypus is a fun word. He brings something else by, he goes, what do you call that? Hmm. I've had more fun with that. The only thing I've had more fun with than that creature is you. And you're God. Let's call him dog. Meanwhile, I'm petting my honey badger. <laughs> and then he brings by this furry thing that always wants attention but basically hates your gut. And he says, let's call it cat. He brings by this other thing, and he just says, I see a vision of what this will become. Let's call it hamburger. <laughs> God chuckles, you're right, cow, cow, it's cow. I mean, is it, I, I, it's crazy how much I'll think about this verse. I would like to know that feeling. 
of just hanging out with God, naming stuff. Really. That's why I love it when my friends are doing a project. I always think they need my input on names. Always. I find out somebody's pregnant, I just start telling them names. People rarely take my suggestions. I'm a little hurt, but I get over it. Look at this first relationship with a human being. They're just enjoying each other and enjoying creation. This is so tender, guys. Do you see it? Do you see it? It's just, it's tender. Sitting around, and God is bringing the zoo down through the garden, hanging out with Adam. You know, you guys do this with your kids, your little kids. You let their imagination run wild. They'll draw something or play something, and they'll tell you, you know, like, this is a Himmelfarb. And you go, oh, it's a Himmelfarb. I love it. And within a few minutes, you can't keep up with all the things they've said. It's gotten too complicated. You've done that with your children. Imagine having intimacy with God where you're walking around just figuring out what things are and watching God delight in you in the same way you delight your child. I I genuinely believe that's how it's supposed to be. So we need that relationship with God. I'm going to talk in a minute about a little bit more about that relationship, but just for the sake of time, let me move on quickly into some of these other thoughts. Secondly, our secondary relationships... The horizontal ones must flow from the values of the primary. Now, I want to unfold this just for a little bit. And I just want to say that I'm not saying you can't be an atheist. And, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible to be an atheist and, 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 and have good relationships. Yes, you can be a, an atheist and have good relationships. You can. But I'm saying in the life of a believer, particularly particularly in the life of a fruitful disciple, the best friends are the people who are good friends with God. The best husbands are the men who are close to God. The best wives are the women who are close to God. And I don't mean close in a functionary sense. I mean close in an affectionary sense. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationships. Let me see if I can illustrate that. Let's take a look at the Decalogue. I wanted to use that word. If some of you guys have never heard that word, it's a fancy way of saying the Ten Commandments. Let's take a look at the Ten Commandments really quickly. There's a ton of great series on the Ten Commandments. I've been listening to one for a few weeks by Colin Smith out of the Orchard Church near Chicago. Just been enjoying it. Um, He's been breaking down every commandment and just looking at, you know, the struggle to live it in life. But let's take a look. Take a look at these first four commandments right here. Those first four commandments might, you might say, are, 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 are like the opening thoughts of our vertical, vertical relationship with God. And then there's a, there's a lot of other commandments in the Bible that are really just giving breath to these four. But these four are just starting to give breath to what? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is loving God. Now, what does that start to look like? So if the idea is this big, what does that start to look like when it's this big? Well, say what? It's a drop-down menu. It's a, it is, though. And then every one of these has a bunch, and we're going to go through all of them, all 633 tonight. I only noticed a couple people laugh. So do not have any other gods. 
And this is, of course, this is uh, my paraphrase, just for the sake of not putting up a, a, a tons of screens of verses. Do not make for yourself an idol. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You know, one of the, one, all of these, I love them. But one that I've been thinking about a lot since I heard Colin Smith's message on it is number two, which was weeks and weeks ago before Thanksgiving. I, I, I think it's sort of crazy to worship something you can hold in your hand when you've been invited to worship someone who's holding you in his hand. Colin Smith was talking about how you can't contain God. So, you, you know, worshiping an idol is, is wanting to worship something that you can't contain. And I, I got, as he was saying, I got the image of an idol in my hand versus me in God's hand. I was like, whoa, I like that image, and I've been clinging to it. It's been leading me to some, some, some awesome reflection. But just look at this, right? You got, we could talk about this all day long. We could, we could go through all the other laws and, and see how they pertain at some point to these Ten Commandments. And these Ten Commandments pertain to those two commandments. But let's don't just look at this vertical listing of the Ten Commandments. Let's look at the horizontal one. So like, I always pick on Brett because he loves me and lets me get away with it, right? But me and Brett have been friends a long, long time, okay? Now I'm going to tell you something. If Brett and I are friends and I murder him, I just have to imagine it will wound our friendship. What do you guys think? You agree? Casey and I been friends a long time. If I, if I try to smooch on Christina, Casey's going to be upset. Am I right? Okay. Man, he looks so serious. That man got serious, right? Like, some of these are real subtle. Like, what if every time I come over to your house, I'm just commenting on how nice all your stuff is, how bad all my stuff is, and how I wish my life was like yours. That, that's not enjoying each other. That's enjoying stuff. That, you know, that's just a, coveting is a funny thing. And like, if, if Brett over the years, if you know him, Brett had several people live with him over the years. And on more than one occasion, you know, people stole things from him. Right? And Brett has always been fairly poor in his adult life. And so the amount of valuable things he has has always been relatively small. So when people come along and take the one or two valuable things Brett has, and you know what's been amazing? Is that when people have broken that relationship, Brett has maintained it. He's forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven. People have walked away from him. I'll never forget one time he was, he was saving this thick, big thing of change, like to do something really exciting like eat. And... Um, this guy was standing with him, took it all, you know. You know what he did? You know what he did? He took that person out to eat to talk to him about it. Right? But when you steal stuff from your friends, don't you think it kind of messes up your relationship? It does. It does. Does anybody notice a number's missing? Yeah, you guys are good with numbers. Good job. Look at this one. I put a star by it, and I put a star by it in your notes in the, in the bulletin, too, because I, I, I love this one, right? I want to I make one of these weird testimonial confessions. I grew up kind of, I don't know, like a, 
analytical kid, a statistical kid. I was one of those kids who loved baseball cards. And I would study them, and I would try to think, like, what are all these stats really telling me about a player? I was actually that same way about my life, right? And, and I couldn't figure out when I grew up what it meant to be a good parent. Like, I didn't know. But I had tons of stats on what it looked like to be a bad parent. And so I had this long list of things I was not going to do if I ever became a dad. But when I would look over at my list on what I, what I was going to do, I just didn't know. I was literally a blank page. And one of the best things that ever happened to me is when I became a Christian and started to learn from my Heavenly Father, suddenly, suddenly, my list of how to behave as a dad filled up. It just filled up. And, 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 and so, I, so unfortunately, unfortunately, my negative list had mostly come from my upbringing, and my positive list had come from the manual and from walking with God. The reason I wanted to call this one out is because if it's all about relationships, then here's a word to the parents in the room. The best sort of parent you will be will truly be marked by the type of disciple you are. If you're just passing on the bad parenting bondages from your upbringing, instead of letting God set you free and school you, then there's a hole in your game. Now, if you're anything at all like me, it's easier to remember the mistakes you've made as a parent than it is to remember the successes you've made. It seems like one bad afternoon of yelling at your kid emotionally wipes out 26 straight weeks of providing for him without fail. I, I, I wanted to call this out because I want to talk to you guys. I want to talk to you parents in the room. I want to talk to you prospective parents in the room. Like, I, like Carson, I totally think you're going to be a phenomenal dad. I think you're going to be one of those guys who are in the floor playing Legos. You'll, I mean, you know, you'll drop what you want to do and do what they want to do. I just think you're going to be awesome. You know, get this now. You had a really blessed upbringing. Would you agree? You did, right? Learn everything you can about that. But, but, but also, go look at your father because what he's doing is out of this worship of God, he wants to flow your relationship with people. Give your kid that sort of basic training. When they come, whenever they come, you don't have an announcement tonight, do you? Okay, just check. <laughs> whenever they come, let your parenting, you know, glean out everything good your parents gave you, but ultimately... Let your relationship with God guide your parenting of your kids. Just do that, right? Now, here's where I can be fairly hopeless. I didn't get any of this training, so I, so I, I must be sunk. I often think about Romans, in Romans 8, where it says, uh, everything that I know I should do good, I seem to fail to do it. Everything that I know I shouldn't do bad, I seem to run hard after that. I just do that very well. My goodness, who will deliver me from this utter body of failure and death? Thanks be unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of you guys, some of you guys grew up in really dysfunctional homes. And what God wanted for you is he wanted, he wanted you to have parents that really loved him and taught you how to relate to him and to others. He wanted that for you. And some of you guys, you had great upbringings that just want godly homes. And so you can look at something like this and just say, man, my ship is sunk. 
Well, blessed be the day that you bring your dysfunction, your failure, your past to God, and know that he's the God who does new things. He can take our really dysfunctional upbringing, and he can change it. He can change it. Now, the other part of this little testimony, really brief, is uh, I would hear my mom and dad fight sometimes. And I would, I don't know if it was praying, I didn't know God, but I thought I was praying. I'd say, God, would you please just help them get a divorce? I I just want to be released from all this. You know? I'll never forget one time I was was watching Little Orphan Annie, the one with the little red-headed girl in it. And, uh, and I was like, I, I think it would be better to be an orphan. So you might could go out and find some good parents. I mean, you, you know, like, it would be great. You know, th- this is what I've got. Just, just cut me loose and let me go try to find something better. Out of, out of that despair, w- what happened to me is I didn't like the notions of God as father. And it wasn't until I knew him as father that I could begin to see some redeeming qualities in that. Why am I beating this up? We have a sacred trust as parents to disciple our kids. You know? Um, sacred trust. And sometimes, sometimes we can feel like failures up front because we didn't have such a good go at it ourselves. It's okay. Confess that to God and say, God, I might not have had a good view of parenting, but I've got a good father now, and you can teach me how to be a good mom or dad. Okay? You can do it. Let me give you a quick and wonderful, I say it's wonderful, illustration from the Westminster Catechism. Don't be afraid of the word catechism. It's just a way for people to memorize and repeat um, important Christian doctrine. Here's the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to know God and enjoy him forever. Man's chief end, in other words, what's the purpose of mankind? The purpose of mankind is to know God and to enjoy him forever. Would you believe that 121 people got together and studied for three years, and this was the first question and answer they came up with? 121 smart people, educated, uh, lovely people, uh, clerics, professionals. They got together and studied for three years. And they thought this was the first and most important question that every Christian should ask. What is my reason for living? I exist to know God and to enjoy him forever. To know God and enjoy him forever. So number four, and bringing to a close, being close to the kingdom, what all is hanging on these beautiful truths? Being close to the kingdom, what all is hanging on these beautiful truths? Let's go back to Mark. Chapter number 12. All right. Here's a question I got to ask you. Are you even in relationship with God? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All of us are born dead in our trespass and sin. Every single one of us. Every single one of us because of the brokenness of human flesh, is born cut off from God. Okay? The Bible says you have to be born again. John chapter 3 says you must be born again. In other words, God has to give you life. And in giving, giving you new life, his point is that you 
was surrendered to the Lord Jesus. If you keep reading in John chapter 3, John chapter 3 verse 18 says, if you, if you, know, if you know Jesus, you're already not condemned. If you refuse Jesus, you already are condemned. On the judgment day, it's going to be the question, do you know Jesus? Are you in relationship with God through Christ? Okay? So there's a question. Are you at peace with God? When the scribe came and asked Jesus that question, the scribe gives this wonderful answer back. And then Jesus answers him back. He's like, great job, buddy. Great job. Man, you are so close to the kingdom. What made him so close? What made him so close is he knew what was important. What's important? Loving God and loving people. Is it that religion is bad? I actually hate it when people say religion is bad. Jesus was fairly religious. Bad religion's bad. Somebody should have said amen right there. Bad religion is bad. Good religion is Wow, you guys are so smart. Let's try it again. Bad religion is? Good religion is? You're the man. So the guy says, you're so close. You know why? Because you get it. You get that you can be very religious and not know what's important. But you can know what's important and your religion feed it. I've written three devotional books, and one of my pet peeves is when people say, I'm going to do my devotional. Hey, don't say that. Say, I'm going to live devoted. And part of living devoted is you'll be in the Word. See the difference in that? This guy was close to the kingdom. There's a lot of us that are close to the kingdom. What's the difference? The difference is you have a relationship with God, and your religion feeds the relationship. I had an opportunity one time in my life to, to ride one of those coal-burning, steam-powered locomotives. And I, I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to do the Labrador Retriever thing where you just hang out the window. I didn't even want to drive. Oddly enough, you know what job I wanted? I wanted to shovel the coal. <laughs> it was. I wanted to shovel the coal. It turns out I was under the false impression that they would let me shovel as much coal as fast as I wanted to and thereby get the train going really, really fast. <laughs> turns out no matter how hot it gets, if that guy doesn't release more steam pressure, it's not going any faster. So I was shoveling up a storm. I'm <laughs> getting going fast. And the guy realizes what I'm going to do and he goes, hey man, if I don't release the steam pressure, we're not going any faster. I'm like, what? There's no point at all in using this shovel then. Some people are at that place with their religion. And they give up on it because it hasn't been feeding their relationship. You know why I love all the habits of the faith? I love them because I'm depending on them to feed the hunger, feed the relationship. This guy understood something. He understood that this is more important. It's more, he's not saying making the sacrifices is bad. They couldn't be bad. God had commanded the Israelites to make them. They couldn't be bad. But they could be bad if you did them and they did not feed your relationship with God. Some of you guys could be sitting here and it could be bad tonight because it's not feeding your relationship. 
But some of you guys could be practicing super good religion because it's feeding your relationship. Do you see what I'm saying? So the guy says, you're close. I'm asking you, what is your life like? Are you doing things that feed a relationship with Jesus, or are you just going through the motions? Secondly, if you look at the sister passage, if you look at the sister passage over in Matthew 22, Jesus says something incredible there. If you look at verse 38, this is the great and first commandment, the second is like it, you should love the neighbors yourself. Now look at this. On these two commandments depend or hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, if you want to go and understand all the rules that God has given you, and if you want to understand all the things the prophets are talking about, understand them through these two lenses, love God and love others. So when you go and weaponize the word of God, you're often missing the point. But if you go and say, how does this help me love God and love my neighbor more? Man, you got it. You understand it. You get it. Relationship. If you want to be a fruitful disciple, someone who is following Jesus and bearing fruit from it, you say, man, I want to be locked into my relationship with the Lord, and I want to be loving in my relationship with others. I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a servant. I want intimacy with God, and I want the things I do to fuel that intimacy so that I'm on the tracks running full steam. Full steam. Now, if you're anything like me, you look back at those Ten Commandments and you pretty much see you've broken all of them. I mean, just, just play along. Anybody in here ever told a lie? Has anybody ever let anything come between you and your relationship with God? Is anybody ever in here just like, if, if you have, I, maybe you hadn't said the big one, but have you misused or casually used the name of God? Okay. Has anybody, okay, and I'm going to trust you parents with this, has anybody ever struggled with, with lust in any sort of form or fashion? Okay. Anybody in here ever falsely represented somebody, and this includes gossip, anybody ever done that? Anybody ever told an outright lie? <laughs> There's your first one, brother. <laughs> right? So, so if I look at this and I say, man, it's all about relationships, it's clear I've broken my relationship with God, and I haven't been very trustworthy in my relationships with people. Oh, my goodness. Who in the world is going to deliver me from this body of death? This is exactly why we need Jesus. He perfectly honored the Father, he perfectly loved the others, and he invites us into his perfection. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary. Weary of what? Trying to be good on your own. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. Heavy laden with what? Failure, guilt, shame. And I'll give you rest. I'm going to give you a different yoke. What's the yoke? You're going to pull inside of me. In other words, I'm carrying the load, you're enjoying the journey. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He asks trade yokes with me. So what would the gospel say to us tonight? The gospel would say we were born with a broken relationship with God because of sin. So he sent his son to pay the debt. We, we couldn't know God because we were dead 
So he sent his son to conquer death. Ain't this good, y'all? I know I'm curing some insomnia, but come on, y'all. This is good. This is good. So our chief, our chief problems with God and man, the father looked on us with tender mercy and said, I'm going to get involved in your mess because you can't fix it. So he sent his son to pay the debt of sin, to defeat the enemy of death, and to be the righteousness God would approve of and to hide us in himself so that his reward we could share. There's no other religion in the world. No other. You can investigate all of them if you want to. There's no other one that, that, that offers you pardon and fellowship. There's no other religion that even wants both of those things for you. And there's no other religion that says somebody else has done it for you and they totally want to give it to you. Rest, all the other religions say you've got to go do it yourself. And if you don't do it, you can't know him. Jesus looked at it and said, you can't do it, so I'm going to do it. So that I can invite you in, you can know him. You want to bear fruit, you've got to know the Father. You want to bear fruit, you've got to love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Your enemy? Your friend? Your brother? Every one of these scenarios, Jesus said, that's your neighbor, that's your neighbor. Basically, everybody. Look at your neighbor and tell them, everybody. Who you know? In other words, we have a debt of ma to mankind, and that, that, that debt is the debt of love. And we're supposed to spend our lives paying that debt. To me, this is a lot more interesting than what I had been living for. It's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot more gooder. So tonight, in light of this, I want to have an invitation. You know, we don't do that a ton here. What's the invitation? The invitation is for you to agree with God. Do you know you're a disciple of Jesus? Has your love relationship with God been cold lately? I think he wants to call you to heat it up. And what he's, he's calling you. He's just saying, just turn your attention back to me. Just turn your attention back to me. Have you been serving your neighbor? Because love isn't just a, you know, an emotion. Love is action. Have you been loving people? Maybe tonight. Maybe tonight you need to repent. You need to turn from trusting self turn from concentrating on yourself, trust God, and look at others. <clears throat> Always nervous when you're recording these things about what I say, but I don't think this person will ever listen to it. So the other night, I had this bad interaction with one of my family members, and I, I came home and told my wife, I was like, I would really like a better relationship with this person, but I'm kind of just done. You know, I'm, 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 I'm 48 and some months. And I've known them, all those, you know. They were at my house when I came home from the hospital, 1971, you know. And I was just like, no one, I'm getting ready to preach on this message, and God is always doing stuff like this. And I was sort of telling God, you're getting on my nerves. Because I want permission to just write this person off and stop having to deal with them. I told my wife, I said, I guess I would like a better relationship with this person, but if I'm honest, I just don't care. I don't care. So God wouldn't leave me alone. I was praying. I was like, okay, Lord, teach me to care again about this person. Lord, you're going to have to do a work because I really don't care. 
Uh, matter of fact, if they would move to Wyoming or something, I'd be pretty relieved. We're sitting here watching the documentary last night, and this person texts me. says, call me when you can. I go, oh, we get done. I call them, and they need an oven. And this is the way they start the conversation. I just want you to know, I haven't drank a drop in five weeks. My girlfriend's kids are moving in with us, and my oven doesn't work, and we probably ought to cook and feed them. You know a lot of people. Could you help me out? I put on Facebook. I bet you somebody in this room saw it. I said, yo, face busy. I need an oven. Does anybody have a deal? Stephanie Bowen hits me up immediately. I say, I got a deal. My dad has one. I'm coming back from preaching this morning. I cannot stop thinking about it. I go by and pick this person up, drive to Roxborough, put the oven in the back of the van. And at every point along the way, I just hear God saying, you know, we're just walking by and naming the animals. We're just hanging out to him. I can send anybody to get him an oven, but I'm making you deal with your sermon. And, you know, I have these real intelligent responses. <laughs> and we talk about things, and we talk about things, and we're driving back to his house which is in Halifax County. And um, he asked me a question. He says, why do you think it's so hard to serve people? And I'm driving along, I go. <laughs> what I'm saying is I know it's living proof that when you ask God to do in you what he already wants to do, He's going to start doing it. I guess I'm challenging you to ask him to do what he already wants to do. He wants you to love him more, and he wants you to put you at the point of contact where you love people. And if you think it's going to be cupids and sunshine and bunny rabbits and roses, you're in trouble. And last but not least, if you don't have a relationship with him, that's the thing you need to settle. If your relationship's cold, that's the thing you need to settle, right? And somebody, you could, you could have been raised in church, but you're sitting here going, what in the world is that even about? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he was raised from the dead, you have the right to call yourself an adopted member of God's family. Why? Because he paid the debt you couldn't pay. He defeated the enemy you couldn't defeat. And he's willing to give you his prize. Father, whatever our people, these people, whatever we need to hear tonight, in the face of poor preaching, the Holy Spirit's stronger. Father, I pray you speak to hearts. I know you want us to walk passionately with you and to hear your voice in all the matters of our lives, even the, even the matters we're trying to shut, shut out. You want us to hear your voice. And you want us to really love people. So, Father, set East Rock Community Church loose from being self-oriented and reorient us to be worshipers and servants. In Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Let's stand together and sing. I'm going to do something I don't usually